You're listening to Ramble with Intent. I'm your host, Lisa Saban-Smith, visual strategist, advocate, ambition guide, and public speaker. I'm here for the dreamers, the doers, and all of the possibilities in between. Through my experiences as a world-class athlete, coach, graphic designer, wife, parent, and all the other life experiences that we have. And the amazing stories with my incredible storytellers, we get to connect how advocacy is not that far off in our everyday lives. Let's ramble. All right, folks, today on Ramble with Intent, I am super excited to introduce Ailsa Brown to the podcast. She is a painter, a potter, I think a teacher at heart, and just this amazing um, energy when you get to share the room with her. And so I'm excited to learn more about art from Elsa. Pardon me, from Elsa. I'm sorry, I'm gonna call you Elsa at some point and I apologize now. I'm quite used to it. (laughs) All right, well, welcome to the podcast. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? I am located in Vancouver, British Columbia, just outside Vancouver, and I have been a working artist seriously for the past six years, but I've been doing art. I graduated from art school many years ago, and I have been doing art and teaching art all over the years while while working part-time and raising a family. So now i get to really dive in and really um focus on what it is that i love to do i i did i have taught all those years um and i i did continue to to do my art practice all those years it's just that now it's it's my full-time gig and i get to enjoy it every day and all the other things that come with it all the business aspects of it and promoting and what have you so it's been a real journey. It's been wonderful. I can see how my work has evolved over the years from where I first started. I went to art school in uh, my first year I spent in London, England, and then I came back and I finished at uh, Emily Carr College of Art and Design here in Vancouver. Amazing. And so making that transition from being really part-time artist to now you're a full-time artist, what did that process look like for you? Well, it it does take a lot of commitment wow. and it takes it took me quite a while to sort of get into the groove of it because it's so um it's easy just to put it on the back burner or say I'll get to the studio. There's a lot of things that come up when you when you decide to become a full-time artist, you know, oh. all the fears of is my work good enough, imposter syndrome, all those kinds of things. And you really have to focus on the pure enjoyment that you get out of doing it. And from there, when you do that, then the work just naturally evolves. And I have engaged in a lot of workshops, a lot of mentorship, a lot of, uh, I have other artists that I can call on, that we can discuss all these things. And that's been really helpful as well, because it it does take a certain tenacity to get yourself out there into the world. Because when you're doing artwork, you are actually, you know, putting your soul out there for the whole world to see. Mm-hmm. That could be a little intimidating, but it takes a while just to get into the groove of it and to find your rhythm of your work. Mm-hmm. what it is that you that you want to say what you how you want to present it and working in two mediums is a little bit more of a challenge as well because I have two completely different um, mediums that I'm working in so trying to balance that out as well as balance out the business side of things okay. can be a little daunting but I've I'm I think I've worked it out now that I've got it into some kind of a pattern where I can work with clay for a while. I can keep my pieces there completely dry. I can paint them at my leisure while I'm painting on canvas as well. And then the two speak to each other. I can work on one. I can let that relate to the other and vice versa. And so it it constantly keeps the work evolving. Yeah. I was thinking in the in like between pottery and painting, you could kind of take the lessons of the two and combine them as you move through that process too. And then 
May, does it open you up for more experimenting? I think it does. Yeah. I think it does because when you're when you're working with clay, there's a lot of things that you wouldn't maybe think to do on on the canvas. You know, a lot of line work, a lot of maybe what they call scraffito, which is uh, scratching in or um, yeah, scraffito, making making lines through the through the pattern in the clay to get down to the surface. So it it just broadens your knowledge or your your um your library of what it is that that you can do and it it does it does allow you to create experiment a bit more okay yeah all the different tools in the toolbox right mm -hmm. so, yeah I love I mean so I guess my first question is uh do you for your painting do you focus into a specific medium like acrylic oil watercolor or do you do variety I do variety. I don't do oil, yeah, but I do do acrylic. I use acrylics and I use them in various ways. So I really like to um, to use them as washes when I'm started. And so I start my work in a very meditative way. Um, it's almost uh, I have to make sure the doors are closed. I'm totally alone. I get my palette out. I get the paints out. I get them somewhat prepared and when I start the work, it's just really getting centered and really that first layer is so important to me because it dictates how the rest of the painting is going to go from there on. So I use a lot of washes, a lot of translucent, transparent paint, and I put down layers that way. And then from there, I will use thicker paint. I will use drawing medium. I will use uh, water watercolor crayons, pencils, pastels. Contes, all different kinds of mediums okay. to to build the work up after that. But it's that initial sort of just ah, getting it out there and getting on onto the paper and getting it started, um, which is is crucial for me that I have that centeredness to to start the work off. Yeah, that foundation piece, I guess. Hey, and it starts yeah. it starts from within. And I think mm -hmm. for art, correct me if I'm wrong, but for art, for the most part, I mean, it is all internal and it's the it's that safe expression of what's going on inside coming out into the world definitely for my experience with creating art is that it it does come through me yeah you know? so it, it's important to put your your logical side away for a bit mm -hmm. you have to bring that in in certain parts of the process because there's composition there's um you know your color palette there's considerations that you need to think of to to make it a good painting but the overall expression of it in order to have it really come from you it it does come through you and you have to allow for that freedom and to use your intuition to really just just trust yourself and just um, continue and that continues throughout the the whole painting oftentimes I'll look back you know at something I've just done or something I've done a few years ago and you'll look at it and you'll think how did I do that you yeah. know because it, it is very intuitive and and that's that's the beautiful part about it is that anybody can use their intuition mm -hmm. to create art and we often let our heads get in the way so much of of judging the work. Is it going to be good? Is it pretty? Is it beautiful? And that takes away from the real experience of just allowing yourself to create from within. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's we hear it all the time. Oh, I'm not creative. Oh, I'm not an artist. And I think really and truly we were born creative and we were born artists. It's just we either didn't find the medium that works with us yet, or we were using it as a block to not express and not tap into that, you know, that that deeper self and and connecting with that creative component that is in every single one of us. Because I mean, you watch kids, they're all creating at some stage of their young lives, they're all creating something. It's just how is it harnessed or how is it um 
encouraged to grow. I think that definitely we are all creative. We are all creative. When you think back to, you know, years gone by, you know, every, every woman sewed, they knitted, they crocheted, they, you know, darned socks. They, they did all kinds of things that were creative. And a lot of that has been lost in the busyness of today. And when you talk about children, children just have that natural ability to just, just create and just to have fun. And at some point we start judging ourselves and we start putting that element into it. And so, yeah, we're afraid of not being good enough or, I mean, that's a, a huge one, not being good enough. And yeah, somehow we lose that creative spark. And hopefully that comes back and or people can can use their creativity in so many other ways, whether it's in the kitchen or, you know, decorating their space or so many other ways that people can be creative. But it, it's such a vital part of our health, I think, it's such a vital part of our mental health and just finding <clears throat> that joy. Yeah. You know, I find if if I'm away from the studio for too long, I can really tell, you know, I can really tell that I, I'm in a grumpy mood or I just feel off. Mm-hmm. And then when I do spend some time in the studio, I, I come away and I just feel more buoyant. I feel, I feel so much better inside yeah. from, you know, doing that creative work. Yeah. And so we were talking about the kids and I instantly had this like vision of babies. The first thing they discover is their hands. And so let's talk about the power and the meditative and mental health that comes from working with our hands. Cause that, that is a huge capacity of creation. Yes. The thought starts in the brain, but the hands apply it. Or if you're a foot or mouth painter, it's the same thing, but those operate mm-hmm. as your hands. So let's dive into that. Let's talk about the mental health aspect and the 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 wellness aspect of it all. Well, I think there's <clears throat> excuse me, there's a lot a lot more research coming out. You know, that if you really wanted to dive into the the um the benefits of creativity. There's a book called The Brain on Art and I haven't read it in its entirety, but I have read bits of it and it you know it it cites scientific data that just even being around art can extend your life mm-hmm. and creating art it it relieves anxiety it um it, so many the stress that we have in our life today it it is a a calming agent against that you know mm-hmm. i mean you don't need antidepressants you can just go and do some creative work yeah and I think that is uh, so missing that people don't tap into that that resource that we have that everybody can do. And I think when you think back, I mean, I don't know what happened to those adult coloring books, but they were a step in the right direction for getting um, adults to just sit yeah. and have quiet time and connect and and like you say, using your hands. And I, it's also because you're just letting things flow and using your hands and, and, but it's also the results that you see, like you have tangible results and you can look at something. And I think that's where people maybe get, get hung up because they don't like the results. Mm -hmm. And so they, they think, Oh, well, I'm no good at that. I'm, but if they just allowed themselves to enjoy the actual process of it and put their, their judgment of whatever it is they do, on the back burner and just do it for the pure enjoyment of it. Mm-hmm. They would find so much benefit to their sense of well-being. Yeah. I know it does for me. And you know, I'm a potter as well. So I have taught wheel throwing classes for for decades and when I'm when I'm teaching, I mean it's it you really have to focus so much when you're when you're learning because it's a skill and painting is a skill too but it's 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 not in the same way that you have to really learn the techniques of throwing on the wheel and 
the first thing you have to do is you have to center the clay. <laughs> and, and so, you know, you, you have to, you know, you have to remember to breathe. You have to remember to just kind of center yourself to get the clay centered. And when I'm teaching and I've got a class of beginner potters at the wheel, apart from the hum of the wheels going, I mean, you could hear a pin drop because everybody is just so focused on what they're doing and trying to get the clay centered. And it's the same with the whole process of, of throwing. You have to be 100% focused on what you're doing. And just that focused activity, you're leaving all your troubles at the door, any concerns, any stresses you had are all gone. And you can just be right in the moment. And what a metaphor, like, to be centered. Mm-hmm. And that's where it all starts is from the center yeah. for almost yeah. everything, as you said, like for you to go in and create, you know, doors need to be closed. You need to have no distractions, no one knocking on the door to ask you where something is. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the same thing. It's like, we're coming back to center and we're coming back to self. And then we're expanding and putting all of that out into that tangible world as well. So it's like, yeah, art is, if if for those I have found personally, um, like meditation as what we perceive meditation to be, I cannot do it. But if I go into art, mm-hmm. that is my meditation. And that is where like, there is nothing else going on in my brain except for what is being created right there at that moment. And that is my focus, be it it's not behind the back of my eyes where things don't exist, but it's on paper and it's it's that focal point right there. So uh, do you find pottery more specifically or one or the other offers something similar to that more than the other? No, I, I find they're both effective mm-hmm. equally. Um, that they both, they both take you to that place. You know, if you quite often in my my practice more so for painting, but if I am getting ready to paint, I will, you know, do some deep breathing exercises, sort of um, just align myself with what I'm doing before I start working. And that really helps as well to just sort of center myself physically do the deep breathing take some calming breaths and then you know get in get into the workflow Mm, okay yeah and it it is I call it a mindful meditation and I'm like you I I to sit down and actually do a whole process of meditation it just doesn't seem to work for me but creating my artwork I consider that a a mindful meditation and it is as effective if not more effective I mean it it that is what works for me and I think when you work from that space Mm -hmm. of being in intuition using your intuition and and letting creativity flow through you from Mm -hmm. whatever wherever you think it comes from I think that shows in the work and I think that's what people connect to and they call it having an aesthetic experience. And I learned this years and years ago is that sometimes people will, will look at work and there's just something about it. That's they can't really explain what it is. Okay. Kandinsky talked about this in, in his book and he wrote in, you know, the early 1900s called, um, the spiritual on art. I think it's something like that. And, um, and he talked about, you know, the aesthetic experience that the whole act of creating that it does come, um, comes through us. And I think when, when you are creating this way, and people are viewing the work, that's what they're connecting to, mm-hmm. you know, they're connecting to that indescribable essence of the work yeah it's that um I don't know you could call it energy whatever but you can tell too like you can especially painting and pencil too you can tell when the artist 
was angry and agitated. And mm-hmm. you can tell when they were in flow and just relaxed and 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 going through a natural movement instead. And some artists like that's that's how they create in a state of anger. And I I know I should know of one, but I can't think of it right now. But then the soft one is Monet, right? It's all mm-hmm. just flowy, soft, mm-hmm. blended, um, very relaxed type creations. And and you can tell, you can tell mm-hmm. what state the artist was mm-hmm. in, especially if it's a if it's an original too, because then you can really inspect. Yeah. The- Line. You've got the tactileness of it, the textures of the paint and the, yeah. the layering that you can see. And and yeah, and I think if if you are angry and you want to express it that way, um, it is a great tool to to release. Um, but I don't think the world really needs angry art to no. <laughs> look at. There is a lot out there, I think, over the years, you know, where there was it went through a phase. And I think getting your your frustrations out on paper uh, is wonderful therapy as well. And that, you know, that can be thought of as a meditation as well. It's just there's there's different things that need to be released, right? Yeah, absolutely. So when you're teaching, you teach um, pottery throw, wheel throwing classes. What else do you teach? Or is that the one that you specifically focus on? Um, I've been teaching that for a long time, and I have also taught what I call um, surface decoration oh. because I do what I do with my clay work is I use it as a canvas as well. Mm-hmm. So I paint on all my ceramic work with with special in- materials specific to working with clay. They're called underglazes. Mm-hmm. So I have taught um, quite a few. Uh, workshops on that which is which is great because it's it's using for people that want to work with clay then they have a way to express themselves in a painterly way rather than you know just sort of doing the traditional dipping in clay and I say actually traditional dipping in clay actually traditional ceramics if you go back to the beginning of time they were all painted yeah, you know, if you look back at the Minoan pottery or the Mycenaean pottery, they were all highly decorated, and I'm just carrying that that through. It's always been a love of mine. Even when I when I first got introduced to ceramics, which was in high school, I went and did hobby ceramics, and there was all these little figurines and frogs and all kinds of things but I would ask them to always just get plain vases and plain plates Mm -hmm. and whatever and I I just started painting on them I just loved to to decorate the surface so it's it's a real pleasure for me to teach that to let people find a way to express themselves on the clay surface and I'm going to be following that up with a with an online course in the new year so it'll make it accessible to uh, a wider range of people I think there's there's a real need of it pottery has really taken off there's a real desire for people to get to work with their hands like people have been missing that for so long Mm -hmm. and so to to get into these pottery guilds or pottery centers there's huge waiting lists and um it's great to see that so many people are engaging in it and have a desire to learn it yeah because it is very therapeutic yeah so do you for your um surface decoration do you still need to go and fire the pottery afterwards yeah yeah so they're they're called underglazes and they're underglazes yeah (laughs) yeah and then from there they're fired and it depends on how I want to finish the work, whether I want to um, uh, glaze areas of it or leave areas unglazed, or I'm moving more into um, non, non-functional work because it is so highly, um, the surface is so highly embellished that it's not, you know, not your typical cereal bowl. I have done functional work for a long, long time, and I will be doing functional work to to work through people on this course. Mm-hmm. But for my own work, it's it's um, I call it three dimensional art. Yeah. It's uh, you know it's sculptural 
sculptural ceramics. So I I have different things that I do. I do gold leaf on them or silver leaf, mm-hmm. copper leaf, as well as what is called gold luster, which is a, a pure gold, 22 karat gold that's actually fired onto the surface. Oh wow. So yeah, it's it's fun. There's it with with clay, it's endless. It's absolutely endless the the things that you can do the materials there's there's so many different ways of working with it oh that's amazing yeah so all i picture with with clay is uh you know the the go paint your pottery type stores <laughs> <laughs> and and then maybe the odd yeah fancy like um fancy looking bowl that like it could be used but it sits on display instead mm-hmm. or else mm-hmm. or the teapot the teapot that you don't dare touch but you always are looking at it because it's just so pretty yeah 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 and and I think that even when things are functional to have them do double duty as art mm-hmm. is even if you if you don't want to use it is great because it it embellishes your home and it brings that of art into your home in a, in a three-dimensional way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it's, I, it just creates that um, conversation piece as well, right? Like it's another point of conversation within your space, or mm-hmm. if it's something that's handed down, it's a point of connection to our history, our past, somebody we loved, you know, those things we had a, my household, we had a pot, a teapot set so the teapot creamer and sugar and uh and they were passed down and so unfortunately the teapot broke so it's like heart-wrenching having to say goodbye to that piece but yeah that that was such a like very special memory of that person who owned it originally too and it's it had a story with it so we got to share that story with my daughter and 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 bring in those pieces so even for her it's special because she remembers it and it was always displayed somewhere too where yes we were able to use it but Mm -hmm. it was also that that centerpiece in the kitchen give it the that it's a teapot but it had purpose and it had uh, value in terms of sentiment as well so yeah art can be so many things it can and just think of the memories that you have from from using that and sharing you know the story of where it came from and it's the same when people have acquire a ceramic pottery mug yeah. you know and they use that every day so they're taking a piece of that artist with them and using it every day and i mean what better way to to use art like to to have art in your life is something that you're actually using you know, every single day. And I hope people are, sometimes people, they see the price of a pottery mug and they, you know, they kind of gulp a little bit. And when you can go, when you can get a mug, you know, at the dollar store or something that's mass produced and it costs $4 or something, but there's so much heart and soul that goes into creating that piece. And there is so much work that goes into mugs are incredibly time consuming to make. And um, so it's, it's just educating people on so that they can appreciate, appreciate the work that went into it, the love that went into it. And that, yeah, it is a treasured piece. It's something that they can enjoy every day. And the same with art on your walls, you know, whether you buy something that's commercially mass produced or bringing real art into your home. And I think there need, the education sh- sh- needs to be developed for people to really learn to appreciate what real art is about and how it will enhance their home, their surroundings, their sense of well-being, and how there is that connection. Because not only, like we said before, the artist has that connection, you know, that energy that comes through them. Mm-hmm. But that is then um for the viewer to experience. And if you can experience that on a daily, daily basis, uh, it really can enhance 
you know, the viewer's sense of well-being, not not just the artist in doing it benefits, but also the viewer benefits from it as well. And we just don't have enough, we can never have enough beauty in our life. I agree. Never have enough, you know, whether you want to call it connection to source or um, just bringing us back to our, to ourselves. Mm -hmm. That, that is a huge, huge component of why I create work is so that people, my, my um, inspiration comes from nature. And a lot of times, most of the time, generally I will go, I love trees. So I will go to a tree and I will zoom in on a certain section of it. And I will sketch that certain section. And then from there, um, I will take it and I will enlarge it. I will make it full of color. But it's coming from that core, from that from that tree, from nature. So I'm taking details from nature and I'm magnifying them on a larger scale. And they become abstracted in the process. But it's that connection we have with nature that's been lost. Like so, so many people don't really feel connected to nature anymore, which is a real shame because we're all one. Everything in life is one. And that is what the purpose of my work is, is to bring back that sense of oneness. So I'm, I'm working from nature. So I'm bringing that oneness with nature through me. And then it can go through to the viewer. and. And that is the prime, my why for creating. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely. And it's so funny. You mentioned like mugs and every single person has a favorite mug. Like there is a go-to, it doesn't matter if they're all the same. You end (laughs) up knowing which mug is yours and it's a go-to mug. So why not make it a pretty mug or Mm -hmm. a mug that actually represents your personality rather than, Mm -hmm. because it has to fit just right in the hand and you need to be able to hold it just so, and it needs to contain the right amount of liquid, but why not get something that you can also be proud to hold it every single time? Mm-hmm. Know that because it is handcrafted, it is uniquely yours, and it's a representation of your own uniqueness as well. And so, and then like back to nature, like trees, man, every single tree is different. So, as you create, you're creating like yeah. an homage to every single tree out there. Yes, trees are very, very special in my world. I, I can't. I can't say enough. I don't know what the what the draw was initially. Um, I think sometimes you have to be removed from your environment in order to realize what's what's important to you. And when I went to art school in London, um, it was my first my first. I mean, I had never really painted on canvas before, you know, and I was just kind of thrown. Okay, you know, we we did some preliminary uh, courses on color and this and that, and then it was like, okay, go paint. And I was like, well, what am I going to paint? <laughs> no idea. I'm all new to this, right? And one of the other girls that are at the art school, like, I can't really remember the conversation, but it must have been about what I missed or what 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 it was like in British Columbia. Anyways, the topic of trees came up and she said, well, you have to go to Richmond Park. You have to go see these trees in Richmond Park. And so, you know, here I am on my bike, riding around London, all the way out to Richmond Park. I'm thinking, you know, we didn't have cell phones back then. We had no way of communicating (laughs) on my own, like just riding all the way out. And I found these ancient oak trees yes they are just so magnificent and it wasn't like the overall tree that I was drawn to it was all the undulations on the bark all the formations that had just told the story of that tree mm-hmm. for years you know the hundreds of years that had been around and so I sat there and I sketched and I just but I that's what I did I sketched I zoned in on certain areas and I sketched the bark and that was a long time ago and that still to this day um I just have that absolute connection and it has um 
sustained throughout my whole art practice as being um I find I consider myself very very fortunate to have discovered that yeah. so early on in my art career because a lot of a lot of artists struggle to find what it is that they're really about you know what they want their work to be about and that has just you know it 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 turned into all my abstractions on my clay work on my on my canvases Um, lately I've done a little bit more of the feeling of walking into the forest so being surrounded by the trees just that with the light coming through the trees that enchantment that you have when you just you feel like you're um got a warm blanket wrapped around you when you're in the forest and it's just that stillness and uh yeah that that oneness yeah absolutely um yeah so lots to keep me inspired lots to there's a german study they've done german studies in the black forest on and i forget i forget the um it's really in essence it's a pheromone that the trees release um but they've done studies on people's blood pressure before and after going into the black forest and then coming out, of course. And they're like that we changed nothing else except put them into the forest. And then on their way out, their blood pressure significantly reduced. And the only thing short of like the vibrational uh, interconnectedness that the, especially that black forest has the way the root systems run, um, the only other thing that they can attribute it to is the the pheromone or the scent that the forests release, and that then lowers the the human's blood pressure when they get to experience that and be a part of it. And it's really interesting um, how in community trees are as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder for you, is community a really important thing for you? Yes, it is, because um, as artists, we tend to hide ourselves away and work independently. And we really need to make the effort to get out and to to work in community with other artists, whether it's just in discussion whether it's bouncing ideas back and forth, whether it's reviewing what you've done, mm-hmm. because it can be very isolating. Yeah. And we all know what that's been like. And so, I mean, having said that, my studio has saved me over the last few years. Yeah. You know, as t- was totally, I was, you know, very happy just to, just to hide away in my studio and and let the creative juices flow mm-hmm. but you know and traditionally artists didn't didn't work alone as especially potters they pottery was always always made communally you know there would be somebody that wedged somebody that threw somebody that trimmed like you know the whole process and so you know over these years where a potter has a studio and is working totally alone yeah, that's, you know, rel- relatively new. So community and, and just community. I mean, what what is art if people aren't looking at it, you know, mm-hmm. aren't, aren't seeing it. And, you know, that that's a whole other thing trying to do the, the business side of things. But, but that completes the work, right, is when people are, are looking at it and enjoying it and getting the benefit from it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it, getting back to that, um, the blood pressure, I mean, in Japan, they, it's called forest bathing yes. and they have, they've been doing that for years and years and years. And it, um, the, the health benefits that they've recorded from that are immense, you know? So it's like, okay, well, if you can't get out into the forest, just get a painting that <laughs> has been created from that, from that essence, from that energy, you know? You know, it's funny. I was driving. Um, I forget where I was driving, but anyways, one day it was a sunny day. It's cooler weather, but it's a sunny day. And there was a lady and like, 
if I didn't know all these studies, I would have thought she was crazy. But there was a lady standing in the sunshine, her back to the tree. She's hugging the tree in reverse and she's staring up into the sun and just soaking in all of like the vitamin D, the -hmm. tree benefit, all of those things. And it's, and I, I align with that because so where I live, I get to see the mountains all the time. And I always thought it was the mountains that were, you know, the the powerful um, connector for me. I moved away to a place at one point in my life where I couldn't see the mountains and drove me crazy. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was the mountains. And then we started going out there in the summers more often. And I realized it was the trees that are in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's what I needed was to be hugged by those trees in part because they are such silencers and Mm -hmm. they just, they seem to slow the world down and it seems to just give you that moment to just, yeah, come back down and relax. And my blood pressure probably went down too. So it's, it's, it's an interesting realization to experience. And when you were talking about the community of trees and how I mean there's so much research now about how all the roots and the roots are all feed each other and how if one tree senses danger it can send uh, a certain signal through chemicals or something to other trees to to warn them or to protect them it's really amazing it is you know there's there's so much wonderful knowledge now about trees and when you think back to you know the the celtic people or Mm -hmm. cultures long long time ago how you know trees were sacred you know they 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 were their um their churches you know they they, and and when you look at some trees and the and that's what these oak trees and in Richmond Park, you know, they, the, the history they had in them because they were hundreds of years old. It was, it's just amazing to think yeah, what the stories they could tell, right? Totally. And the secrets they hold, right? Mm-hmm. So many people yeah. go to, to sit against a tree and just contemplate things and yeah. gosh, I mean, over five, yeah, they're the, the guardians of the earth, I call them. You know? uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and now my brain goes to like Lord of the Rings. And the- <laughs> well, I can't go there with you because I've not seen it. So <laughs> what they're called, but there's a there's a it, they're trees and they act as guardians in one part mm-hmm. of the movie. So yeah, my brain can be all over the place. It's all good. <laughs> That's the brain of a creative, right? That and that that can be trouble. So into creative for people who are wanting to you know, return to working with their hands or return or, or give creating a try again. Uh, and age means nothing here. Um, what would be step one that you would recommend someone take? Uh, step one, I think, and, and I, I'm also going to delve into this at some point is teaching meditative creative classes. So step one, I think would, would just go get some inexpensive art supplies, you know, get a couple and and don't get little piddly brushes, get bigger brushes, Um, you know, even finger paint. How fun would that be? You know, like just take yourself back to your childhood and, and use finger paint and um, get some bigger brushes, get some, you know, inexpensive paint and just allow yourself the fun and the freedom of just working with your hands, seeing what what comes out of you, mm. and don't don't put a lot of thought into it. Let it be very intuitive. Yeah. And if if painting's not your thing, then you can use crayons. You can draw. You can scribble. You can doodle. If you you know feel drawn to do pottery, try and get into a, a pottery club. There's great community of of people in pottery clubs I mean our local one has almost 100 people in it oh wow and you know they have a beautiful center there where they have you know x amount of wheels they have classes going on so that kind of thing or you know sign up for a a watercolor class or something like that um 
really just trying to um, think of it as a meditative process. Yeah. If you, if if you're like like us and and can't seem to just sit still and think and you know for <laughs> twenty minutes, just do some artwork for twenty minutes. Mm-hmm. If you're really into cooking, be creative with it. Yeah. You know, be creative with it. Um, you know, we always tend to save our our good dishes and what have you for for special times, you know, bring that into your life, you know, set your table beautifully. Like there's so many things you can do to express yourself that just bring satisfaction and a sense of well-being. Yeah. Oh, I love it. And yeah. you know, you touched on it. Art is so much more than the fine art that we see. It's the woodworking, the Mm-hmm. The building the making the sewing the stitching the knitting the crocheting like we can mm-hmm. go on of all these things that they're all creative driven and sometimes we have to break the rules in order to actually get to where we where we truly are connected to them so yeah if you're cooking don't be afraid to break the rules when you're baking you can't because it's all chemistry but yes yeah, when you're cooking. Break well, you can put some fancy on. icing on there. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah, even gardening, you know, Absolutely. it's so therapeutic, and you can get really creative with that. So, and then you can, you know, draw and paint what you grow in your garden. And yeah, there's so many ways, but I think mm-hmm. it's it's missed. It's not done enough because people feel that they're not capable of doing it. And I think breaking that barrier is huge because, because like you said in the beginning, we are creative beings. Yeah. And if we're not creating, then we are missing part of ourselves. We're, um, we're closing off. Yeah. We're shutting down part of ourself that is vital to being, Mm -hmm. to being, finding joy in our lives. Yeah, really thriving on that in that way. And in the end, that's the best thing about joy is when we find it, we spread it. Mm -hmm. So just imagine how powerful that would be to be Mm -hmm. able to spread all of that joy. And it's we don't even know we're doing it. But joyful people help bring out other joyful people. too. Yeah. Yeah, it's infectious for sure. Truly is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's beautiful. I think that's a beautiful place to end. Elsa, thank you so much. I love this. I could probably talk art forever. I'll stumble on things too, because I'm definitely not um, educated in the same way. It's just an area that I enjoy very much. And for me, it was a a really important return for me um, in the last little bit when you know, I was just struggling and I was like, Hey, what was the thing that I did when I I was a kid and I needed to process the world and art was it. So I brought it back and it helps me get back into that meditative mental health, uh, processing the things I don't understand type Mm -hmm. situation. And, uh, and now I can't imagine not having it there anymore. I'm I'm so glad that you, um, that you, realized it and that you got back into doing it because it's just taking that step and allowing yourself giving yourself the time giving yourself the the oh allowing yourself to do it really you know so many people would just I'm too busy to do that or whatever and just understanding how it can help you in those times yeah It, it, it really is crucial And yeah, I just wish everybody a a creative life. Yeah, me too. Well, and the other thing is if you're using time as an excuse, um, people can go through five minute challenges, three minute challenges Mm -hmm. and try and draw whatever is in front of them in that a lot of time. Their skills will get better anyways. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wonderful. So Elsa, where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you have to offer for classes and even check out your artwork? Uh, They can go to my website, Mm 
which is ailsajbrown.com. So that's A-I-L-S-A-J-Brown.com. So on my website, I have original work. I have work on canvas, work on clay in original work. And I also have a gallery of uh, custom fine art prints. Mm. So I have four galleries. I have earth, air, ocean, and flora, and ethereal, actually five galleries Mm. of um, custom art prints that are available on canvas and fine art paper and metal as well. And then I'm on Instagram at Elsa J. Brown Art mm-hmm. and Facebook, Canvas and Clay, Elsa J. Brown. Easy. Yeah. You can find me and follow along and and yeah, follow along in my 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 process. I do show studio shots and uh, work in process and little tips for working with underglaze and working with paints and just the whole, you know, finished product and beautiful. Wonderful. So I'll put all those links in the show notes too. So people can just go and click to them as well. Um, So I'm going to ask you if you had, if you knew that you were leaving this earth tomorrow, what is one thing that you wish to leave as um, pardon me, as a guidance or the ultimate teaching for the rest of the world? Ultimate teaching would be to to, how do I say this? To find your center. To live from within. To trust that inner voice within. And and you can do that through connecting with nature as well. Beautiful. That's a great teaching. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you very much for your time. This has been absolutely. It's been such a pleasure, Lisa. Thanks so much for inviting me on. Of course. Thank you. Thank you.